From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. And let me welcome you back to the Cannabis Podcast. Perhaps this is your very first visit. If it is, well, here's an especially warm welcome for you. We're going to be spending the next 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes or so. I never know when I start. I only know once I'm finished. <laughs> but regardless of what I know about the time, it's going to be talking about cannabis, a plant that I have an absolute passion for, and you must have some interest too, or you wouldn't be here. And let me remind you before we get started, this program is intended for those 19 or older in your jurisdiction and is intended primarily for entertainment and perhaps educational purposes. You should always consume your cannabis responsibly. And on episode 141, have you ever wondered whether or not you should be smoking weed when you're on antibiotics? Well, we're going to answer that question, or at least we got a story about that. Maybe it won't be an answer. Also, have you found that this THC inflation is causing you some concerns? Well, there's uh, some suggestion out there that perhaps some deli-style options might be able to address those. We've got a story from StratCan.com on that. A story from Castanet on the fact that legal cannabis sales are soaring at the moment. And you've heard of Dry January. Some are now suggesting that perhaps there should be a, a similar month associated to cannabis. Whether that be February or something else, we have a story from my buddy David Wally at the OZ on that one. And on Cultivar Corner, we are tasting some more delicious Simply Bear product. This is Simply Bear's Organic Power Mints up for a taste on Cultivar Corner today, and it was a delightful taste indeed. All of that and more on episode 141 of the Cannabis Podcast. And for our first story of the day, let's go to theounce.ca. My buddy David Wiley and the site that he runs, and this is a story that is contributed it's by James McKillop of The Conversation. But now most are familiar with the idea of a dry January, a volunteer month without alcohol that follows a month when many drink more than usual. The idea of a dry January started in the United Kingdom in 2012 and has become popular internationally since then. The point is to use a date on the calendar that traditionally prompts resolutions to encourage drinkers to take a month-long commitment to giving their bodies a break and resetting their attitudes and habits in a healthier way for the rest of the year and possibly beyond. For those who use cannabis, the idea of taking a month off is also worth considering, whether it's January or not. Canadians are among the world's biggest consumers of cannabis, especially since it was legalized in 2018. Prior to legalization, about 15% of adults use cannabis once a year or more. Today, about one in four adult Canadians use cannabis once a year or more, with a higher concentration among young adults. A sidebar to that, I can't envision using once a year. <laughs> End of sidebar. Frequency of use varies widely, but there's a sizable group of people who are daily or near-daily users, about 25%. Within that group, nearly three-quarters report impaired control over their cannabis use, a key feature of cannabis use disorder, the medical definition of cannabis addiction. Though daily use and cannabis use disorder are not identical, daily use is nonetheless a reasonable way to identify people who are more likely to experience negative consequences and might benefit from taking a break. Beyond frequency, the amount of cannabis one uses and the concentration of THC, the psychoactive component of cannabis, are important considerations in the likelihood of experiencing harms. Many of the risks and harms from cannabis scale to the amount of THC consumed, so it's not just a matter of consuming less frequently. A weed-free month could do more good than cannabis users may realize. 
Any month will do, of course, but earlier in the year is traditionally a time for resolutions and fresh starts, so it may be the most natural time to cut out weed. Based on the existing evidence, regular cannabis users could expect to experience a number of positive physical and lifestyle changes from a month-long pause. Among them, resetting one's tolerance for cannabis. In response to cannabis use, of course, the body's endocannabinoid system adapts over time, causing users to develop tolerance. Indeed, for heavy users, unpleasant symptoms of withdrawal also follow these adaptations, although cannabis withdrawal is not life-threatening like alcohol withdrawal. Users could expect that taking a month off would be enough for the body to revert to its natural set points. Clearing the mental cobwebs. Cannabis use is associated with reduced cognitive functioning, especially heavy persistent use. Even short breaks from cannabis have been found to reduce cognitive consequences, and a month of abstinence has been shown to return cognitive functioning to the level of non-cannabis users, giving your lungs a break. It's well established that inhaling combusted cannabis smoke is bad for the lungs in a number of ways, which may be one of the reasons cannabis has been linked to heart attack and stroke risk. Developing other habits and routines that take advantage of a clearer mind, such as sports, reading, and sober socializing, a rich repertoire of activities without substance use is an important lifestyle counterbalance. Saving money. Cannabis is not cheap and adds up quickly if you consume daily. A weed-free January could save hundreds of dollars. Taking stock of whether you may have a problem. Cannabis use disorder is real and can have serious consequences. A weed-free month can provide a chance to do a self-check and see how hard it is to stop. If quitting for a month is impossible or feels like torture, it may be time to talk to a health professional. Effective treatments do exist for cannabis use disorder. Importantly, many people have authorizations to use medical cannabis to manage a variety of conditions, and this is not to suggest that those individuals should abruptly stop for a month, just as it would be foolhardy to recommend an annual abstinence from cholesterol, blood pressure, or other medications. For medical cannabis patients who think it might be beneficial to take a break, a chat with their authorizing physician or family doctor would be in order. The bottom line, though? If you use recreational cannabis regularly, especially daily, having a weed-free January could be both good for your health and a good way to promote other healthy resolutions. A real win-win. James McKillop conducts research on addiction and medical cannabis. His work seeks unique insights by integrating perspectives from cognitive neuroscience, behavioral genetics, experimental psychology, and clinical science. And that article first appeared in The Conversation. Well, thanks so much for that, James, and thanks to David Wiley at theouts.ca for republishing it. What do you think? Time for a break? If you remember, back earlier in 2023 when we took our trip to Australia, I did go through almost a month of abstinence. I did not find the withdrawal as hard as I thought it was going to be. Maybe it's time to do another one as we set off to this year. What are your thoughts? I shall give it some consideration, and I'll let you know later whether I'm going to do it. From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Now, we are going to Candigma.com for our next story. Can you smoke weed on antibiotics? Antibiotics are some of the most common medications typically used to treat bacterial infections. So many wonder whether it's safe to continue using cannabis while taking a course of antibiotics. While research is extremely limited on the topic, there are no reports of problems mixing these two medications. Still some, but not all, antibiotics do list cannabis as a contraindication because of the potential to increase either the negative side effects of either the antibiotics or the cannabis. In addition, many compounds in cannabis have potent antibacterial effects on their own and are being considered by researchers as a new antibiotic treatment against difficult-to-treat strains of bacteria. 
One of the biggest questions about mixing cannabis and antibiotics is whether it is safe. Unfortunately, very little research has been done to see whether cannabis and antibiotics impact each other in ways that could be harmful. At the same time, despite an increase in overall cannabis use and potency in recent years, we have not seen case reports popping up about negative impacts from this common combination. However, because many components of cannabis are processed via the liver metabolic pathways as some antibiotics, certain combinations of cannabinoids and antibiotics may increase side effects of either drug. Make sure to let your doctor know that you are using cannabis so they can prescribe an option that will not carry the risks of added side effects. While some worry that cannabis may reduce the effectiveness of antibiotics, we don't have any research that suggests this is the case. In fact, compounds in cannabis, such as CBD, have antibacterial effects of their own and could be used to enhance the effectiveness of certain antibiotics against resistant strains of bacteria. As it turns out, many cannabinoids and terpenes have antibacterial effects. Fighting off bacterial threats is actually one of the functions that these cannabinoids and terpenes serve in protecting the plant's overall health, so it's an added bonus that might be able to help to protect us as well. There's also some risk when mixing medications that have not been intensively studied together. But at the same time, we don't have much research suggesting antibiotics in general are unsafe with cannabis. While certain types of antibiotics won't interact poorly with cannabis, some antibiotics do. Additionally, the term cannabis isn't descriptive enough, as CBD and THC interact with certain medications differently. So knowing the chemical profile of the cannabis product you're using is important. Always double-check with your doctor or pharmacist that an antibiotic is appropriate for use with a cannabis product. While there's no specific research on combining edibles and antibiotics because of the potential interaction with the P450 enzymes, this impact might be magnified by taking these together. If you're using cannabis edibles with antibiotics, it may be safer to take them separately and spaced out from each other. Always consult with your doctor before beginning use of the two together. When you mix cannabis and antibiotics, there are a few things that might happen, depending on the type of antibiotics used. While there is some strong preclinical evidence to suggest that combining cannabis with antibiotics can actually increase the effectiveness against certain organisms, human studies on the topic are virtually non-existent. The truth is there's very little way to know if it's the cannabis causing any of these side effects. Interestingly, cannabis actually holds potential as an antibiotic all on its own. Many cannabinoids and terpenes have antibacterial effects, including terpenes like linalool, limonene, and alpha-pinene, and cannabinoids such as THC, CBD, CBN, CBC, and CBG. The acid forms of many of these cannabinoids, like CBDA, CBGA, and THCA, may hold their own value as antimicrobials as well. The bottom line on cannabis and antibiotics is that there is very little research in the combination. Still, while it is certainly possible that there are unknown adverse effects, there are many antibiotic options where cannabis is not contraindicated. For those antibiotics that are contraindicated, the combination may cause increased side effects from either the antibiotics or the cannabis. There's a lot of hope and potential for cannabinoids and terpenes to increase the efficacy of antibiotics, or even to be used as an alternative to certain antibiotics in the future. For now, anytime you're considering mixing cannabis with an antibiotic, it's best to discuss the decision with your doctor or pharmacist. And that information from the Conigma.com on whether or not you should be consuming when you're taking antibiotics. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Go to the corner. Go to the corner. Oh, yeah. Corner, please explain this stuff to me. On Cultivar Corner today, 
we are going back down to Delta, to the Delta area of British Columbia, where Simply Bear Organics resides. They not only reside there, that's where they grow all their weed there. That's where they package all their weed. <laughs> Today, back from Simply Bear, this is one of their new entries, and this is BC Organic Power Mints. And that's across a Blue Power and Cush Mints. We'll get into the lineage a little bit later on, but let me open this jar and get my first sniff of Power Mints. Crack the seal. Oh, <laughs> oh, I just love a good smelling weed, don't I? <laughs> now let's pop this out of the jar. Let's see what I got inside my delightful collection here from Simply Bear. Oh, some nice looking buds. In my jar, I got about four buds. Okay, maybe six. Ah, uh, really nicely sized, really nicely cured. Looking at one of the bigger buds out of my little grouping here. Oh, so let me get into some of the details of what Power Mints has behind it before we start smoking it. Now, one of the things I found interesting in getting ready for this, I was popping on the Simply Bear site, and it's something that we don't really pay a lot of attention to. We know what has to happen in every time we're buying weed, <laughs> and that's the packaging. And I'm just going to cover off what they talk about in packaging on the Simply Bear site, because I think it brings a little bit more clarity to why some of their weed just sticks out for all of us. There's more to packaging than merely placing cannabis in a container. You could say our team has mastered the delicate art of handling cannabis in the most precise and careful manner, preserving the true integrity of every cultivar. And as I look at my buds that pulled out of my Simply Bear jar, mm -mm -mm. oh, those are just sweet. A little bit of pushback, so they're not those really hard nugs that we're getting in some of the stuff these days. It is nice and sticky as, oh, yeah, start to break that up and the stickiness comes out. So packaging by hand means we have a better visual control on what we're giving to our customers. For our cultivars, we've developed a packaging formula that combines a predetermined number of nugs in differing sizes so that you're always guaranteed a consistent and appealing number of buds. We seal our products, as you heard, pop the seal, to preserve freshness and to avoid drying. We believe the experience begins as soon as you crack open the container and the room-filling aroma engulfs you. Mm-mm. And it certainly did. And a visual check. At every step of the line, various team members do visual checks when placing the products in the containers, when sealing, and again when closing the lid, to ensure not only the right texture of our buds, but also the quality and correct number or weight included in the packaging. And mine was right on weight. No issues there whatsoever. But I'm going to put them all back in the jar to get that fragrant aroma that is coming out of my Power Mints, which, as I said, is a cross of Blue Power and Cush Mints. And here's the, so the aromas going to be sweet, berry, and earthy. And I'm getting some notes in all of those. And not surprising to me, there's a little farnesine in this guy. Those sweet candy notes, that seems what my brain picks up on the farnesine. The terpene, so THC on this guy, sitting at 20, I hate it when I look at a label and I can't find the THC right away. 28% THC, terps, 2%. And that 2% made up of uh, farnesine at 0.42%, limonene, and then transcaryophylline, my three dominant terpenes. Well, that's enough talking about the product. It's time I get a little uh, prepped 
need myself a joint, and I need some weed ready to go into my Ariser Air Max. And so let me get all of that ready, and we will begin the process of testing this delightful and definitely some sweet notes and definitely some earthiness in what I'm smelling when I put my nose into that jar. And don't you love sticking your nose in a jar of cannabis? <laughs> <laughs> it always amazed me at the store when we get something new and somebody buys something and we want to share it with everybody else. They pop the jar and everybody's just sticking their nose in that jar for the next five minutes. <laughs> when you think about it, it's kind of a silly ritual. <laughs> but when you don't think about it, when you think about it from a cannabis consumer's perspective, it's a lovely little ritual because your nose, which we all know, the nose knows... <laughs> And when you get that first whiff of some fine cannabis, like I did here with Power Mints, and, and again, those pharmacy notes are just, they're singing to me these days. <laughs> they really want me to taste that delightful pharmacine. And I'm really looking forward to getting this. So now we've talked about their packaging. Let me go back and let's give you a little bit more about Power Mints. A cross of Blue Power and Cush Mints, this FVOPA organic certified indica grown in living soil is not for the faint of heart. Boasting dense, frosty buds with beautiful coloring, this cultivar will surely win the hearts of those looking for a potent smoke. Pairing sweet berry aromas and subtle hints of earth, her buds are hang-dried, hand-trimmed, and stored in our premium glass jar for freshness. Oh, and yes... Definitely some of those berry notes in there. And I always love it when you get those hints of earthiness. I got to think somewhere down that terpene chain, there's got to be some myrcene in there for some of those earthy notes. Not listed on the label, not one of the top three, but doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't any in there. <laughs> now I don't have my chemist degree and I can't guarantee that for you. <laughs> Just whenever I get those earthy tones, I like to think that there's probably some myrcene in there too. So, get a little joint rolled up and get things everybody ready for my Air Max. And looking forward to so a heavy hitter. Um, knock you on your on your butt <laughs> and an indica. And so here's Gary on Cultivar Corner uh, early on a Saturday morning in January. <laughs> and ready to dive into the indica. And I do this because, as we've spoken about before. This is the most <laughs> raw as my endocannabinoid system can be is early in the morning because I haven't consumed anything yet. This is going to be my, my true test and assessment of, of the complexity of cannabis is going to happen at this time of the day. So that's why we roll it out at this time. I've got my joint rolled. I got my little bowl into my... A riser air max get me some power on that guy and once we get that started i think we're ready to fire out the joint and, <laughs> and ready to get high now what's my intention like my intention often is when i'm in cultivar corner it's a simple basic intention does this get me buzzed that's the first part of my intention the second part of my intention is to cover off some of the finer aspects in that Lovely little glass jar that's simply bare propides. They've they've cornered the market on orange glass jars. <laughs> and when you pull out one of those buds, again, so I've rolled some up. 
I got my joint, and then as I'm working with the stuff on the table now, it is really sticky. Oh, and those aromas probably burst ten times as you start grinding up those buds. Oh, I love my job. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> well, what could be better than getting up, smoking some dope, and, and, it's, and it's considered your work for the day. <laughs> We're ready. The Air Max is loading up. Let me get the temperature set on that guy. There it is. And now it's time for my joint. This is BC Organic Power Mints from the folks at Simply Bear, and they are growing some pretty fine weed. Oh, some of those berry notes, even when I smoke the joint. Oh, I like that. I always like that when I get those aromas that come through in the smoke. So a little sweet berry coming in. Mm. Mm, maybe some of those earthy tones on the exhale. Holy moly. <laughs> that first couple of hits went, oh my, right to my happy eyes. Oh, this may truly be a potent smoke. And as... I have discovered over the course of doing this podcast, I've had to relearn how to smoke cannabis, <laughs> which seems stupid when you think about it, but I was taught wrong. <laughs> you know, back in the day, you're told to take some into your lungs and hold it in there, which I realize now is why I cough You know, when I'm smoking a lot of cultivars. because I hold it on too long. So I'm trying to learn new methodology. <laughs> oh, I really love this. The taste of that and the joint is really nice. Well, now the Air Max is ready. Let's discover what this is going to taste like through the vaporizer. Power Mints, BC Organic Power Mints from Simply Bear. <laughs> it's astounding to me. Each and every time I pull a vaporizer to my lips after smoking a joint and you just realize how much more of the flavor you're pulling out when you use the vaporizer. I know there's issues, especially for those who have been using a bong for the majority of their life. They flip over to a vaporizer and they go, well, I'm not getting anything out of that. There's no hit. <laughs> you do have to learn a slightly different methodology of of consuming your cannabis, take it a little slower and a little easier, uh, but the effect still comes through in flying colors. Oh, that is so sweet through the vaporizer. Definitely more of those berry notes on the inhale. Some of those earthy tones as we're heading out on the exhale. This is the part of lineage that always amazes me because I had some blue power recently and it was noted as a sativa and of course cushmints we've long been hearing about this as an indica so how can you take a sativa and add an indica to that and suddenly you end up with a really deep indica <laughs> uh, one day perhaps i'll go back to science or go back to school <laughs> and learn the true science of cannabis <sighs> but for my intentions today to test whether or not I'm getting a good buzz and whether this is a a power smoke that they're talking about, <laughs> a potent smoke, 
Mm. Well, my joint has gone out because I've been spending so much time on the vaporizer. Oh, that is so sweet. So let's fire up that joint again. So as I expressed, I think after my first or second toke, that I was already feeling some happy eyes. And bang, they are coming on Ghostbusters now. <laughs> Who are you going to call? <laughs> oh, again, I love my job. To wake up on a Saturday morning and have a specific goal of getting a cultivar corner recorded so you can experience what the weed does for me is just so much fun. <laughs> it's a great way to start my day. And I have to say, I am starting my day in a fairly elevated fashion today. Oh, very elevated. Discovering that farnesine has become one of my favorites. I really love, if there's some farnesine in it, I am probably going to like that weed. And that's, again, one of the disappointments in our world today in cannabis, that we can't smell the weed when we're in a store. And we all know that our nose knows. And, and I wish we could get back to that. Not sure it's possible in our future, but I sure wish we would. And I guess the fact that I'm rambling a little bit is also an <laughs> indication to you that I'm getting pretty buzzed. My head is just, whoa, <laughs> really stoned. And <sighs> nice, relaxing in my body. Oh, this is a really nice indica. Oh, my happy eyes. I just love the feeling of that. I've expressed it so many times in so many cultivar quarters that for me, that's that's when I know I have truly achieved my stonage. <laughs> I know I create other words as we're doing this too, but that's part of the, the beauty of being a, a stoner. <laughs> you can just make up other words and, and they seem logical to you at the time. <laughs> they may not seem logical to you as a listener, but you'll just have to deal with that. <laughs> Really pleased to try some more of their weed. I have been happy with pretty well everything I have tried from Simply Bear. And once again, no disappointment. BC Organic Power Mints, 28% THC, waxia, with a good little high. Mm -mm -mm. I am loving the Power Mints. Sharing stories about good weed while trying good weed. This is the Cannabis Podcast. And as always, let me thank you for being a listener of the Cannabis Podcast. I truly appreciate the fact that you are here. I also want to thank my subscribers, Jordana, Kevin, and Jordan at buymeacoffee.com slash Cannabis Podcast. If you feel so inclined and like what you hear, you can go there too and buy me a doobie. Also want to thank my patrons at Patreon. Roger, Tony, Gage, and Rob, thank you so much for the support. I truly appreciate it. And I'm really happy you're along for the ride. Let me also give a couple shout outs. Shout out to Carol. Carol is new to the podcast, just recently discovered it. Her and her friends have discovered it and are enjoying the ride. Welcome along for the ride, Carol. I'm glad you're here. Also, let me give a shout out to Joan, to Angie, and a shout out to Gary. Gary's a frequent visitor in the store, and I don't mean this, Gary. You know who you are. Thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate it. Now let's talk about our next story. This is from castanet.net about volume and new stores is helping legal cannabis sales soar in B.C. despite price declines. Legal cannabis sales in B.C. continue to soar five years after the first legal cannabis stores opened in Vancouver. The problem for operators is that there is much more competition and prices for the products have fallen. We're selling more but making less, 
Evergreen Cannabis owner Mike Babin said. His venture was the first private cannabis retailer to get a provincial license to operate in December 2018. He then had to delay opening until January 5, 2019, because of what he said at the time were bureaucratic delays with the City of Vancouver. City Cannabis, near East 57th and Fraser Street, was the second private cannabis retailer to get a provincial license to operate, but it was the first one to open its doors on the evening of January 4, 2019. Owner Christian Wetulani said on January 4, 2019 that he planned to open his store on January 5th. He then changed his mind and opened on the evening of January 4th in order to win bragging rights for selling the first legal gram of cannabis in Vancouver. A second legal city cannabis store at Robson Street had been set to open January 8th, but he said that opening was slightly delayed. A government-run store in Kamloops sold the first legal cannabis in B.C. on that date, October 17, 2018. Revenue soars despite falling retail prices. The most recent British Columbia Liquor Distribution Branch data shows cannabis sales are booming and demand is high. The government sold a whopping 40.9% more grams of cannabis to wholesale customers in the three months ending September 30th compared with the same quarter one year earlier. By dollar value, however, the BCLDB's wholesale revenue was only up 24.3%. The reason why revenue was not up by a higher percentage is because cannabis prices on average fell 11.7% year-over-year. Executives or principals at cannabis stores said they have not seen their own sales spike, largely because there is more competition. BC had 490 legal cannabis stores in the quarter that ended September 30th, up 8.4% from the 452 stores that were opened one year earlier. Crimped household budgets mean customers are buying larger quantities less frequently in order to get bulk discounts. Customers are also trading down to lesser-priced products, he added. Industry frustration with high taxes is something that has not changed in the past year, as it was a point of contention last January as well. So there you go, retail sales of cannabis up while the prices head down. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. This is the Cannabis Podcast. And we are heading to Strackhand.com for our last story of the episode. And this is an article which was submitted to Strackhand.com by Shirley Semantics, a longtime cannabis consumer and Twitter pundit. Could deli-style options address THC inflation concerns? After nine and a half years of purchasing cannabis from Canadian licensed producers, one thing has remained stubbornly constant, inconsistencies and a high probability of disappointment when buying dried flower products. It should come as little surprise to a struggling industry that many consumers still refuse to partake in when, for the entire period since legalization, it has lacked the most obvious measure that would aid it in building consumer confidence, letting consumers see and smell what they're buying at point of sale through a bulk distribution deli-style retail channel. Any experienced cannabis enthusiast can attest that the nose knows if one has any level of appreciation for cannabis at all. They know the joy and or dissatisfaction of holding a recently opened bag or jar up to their nose and taking a deep inhale. Prepackaging only regulations prevent upfront visual and aromatic assessment. Forcing consumers to rely on overly weighted tertiary factors such as THC and other numbers on a label. An LP's backstory. Appealing packaging, salesperson's recommendations, everything and anything other than the actual product in front of them that they are about to buy. 
The current Canadian legal in-person recreational retail experience offers no substantive advantage over an online store. Meanwhile, in jurisdictions outside of Canada that do allow legalized deli-style retail, its impact can be measured by improved consumer demand and experience. For instance, Oregon's legal system offers pre-packaged flower products and deli-style retail. The market shows a clear preference. 95% of retail stores offer bulk flower products toward deli-style craft or higher-quality dried flower products from smaller or micro-craft producers. Limiting the Canadian market to pre-packaging hinders not only consumers, but also those smaller micro-craft producers. Tipping the scales in a market drowning with bought-out shelf space, filled with lower-quality, mass-produced flour, hidden inside eye-catching opaque packs featuring inflated numbers at rock-bottom prices. Pre-packaging only increases logistical costs and environmental impacts for all involved, as smaller packs take up more shipping space to transport fewer products. It prevents other possible green initiatives, such as the possibility of reusable, refillable containers that could reduce plastic waste at a retainer end consumer level. Prepackaging only hinders product flexibility, as pack size impacts provincial tenders acceptance as well as movement through retail stores. I just want to find the same dried flower product in the same brick-and-mortar retail location in different pack sizes. A consumer looking for a smaller pack to sample first may have to choose a full or half ounce or vice versa to want an ounce and buy eight 3.5 gram packs, each carrying a premium price instead of potential bulk savings. So far, prepackaging only has demonstrated little to no evidence in preventing diversion, with recent retail store robberies linked to people reselling those stolen packs. There is no reason a bulk distribution system also can't maintain similar levels of control over inventory tracking. Bulk wholesale packs can still be excise stamped. Nothing changes anywhere along the distribution chain where someone is counting packs and a calibrated scale is a small investment to retailers who opt into carrying bulk products. While bulk distribution won't solve all of Canada's cannabis industry problems, its impact would be significant. It would provide a solid base to improve or build consumer confidence, shift the focus away from numbers on a label, and boost the bottom lines of smaller micro-craft LPs. As I said at the beginning, Shirley Semantics is a longtime cannabis consumer and perhaps may not be their real name. <laughs> but I love the idea. I mean, we had, in fact, I said it in the Cultivar Corner that is in this, this episode. The nose knows. And we all know that if we smell a good cannabis, we want to consume it. And we can also tell if it smells bad to us, we don't want to consume it. This has some merit. I'd like to see some of this in the future. What are your thoughts? Once again, thank you so much for being a listener. I truly appreciate the fact that you were here. If you ever have a comment on anything you do here, please send a note to info at cannabispodcast.com. I truly appreciate the contact. And as we come to the end of episode 141, it's time for a chuckle. So how do you know if you know someone is a true pothead when their bong gets cleaned more than their dishes? That's it for episode 141 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi. 
My name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.